I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. Hello and welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano, Jordan Weimer and Tom Bedell here. And uh, well, we're celebrating four games without defeat and eight points from 12. Not a bad way to start this week uh, as another two games, uh, two important games crop up. But let's uh, get into this one. Tom and Jordan, how are you doing both, first of all? Doing very well. Pleased to be back again. These midweek ones always feel like they come around quick, don't they? We had the midweek one, three games in seven yeah. days whatever a lot of podcasts and yeah good to uh, good to be back talking about uh talking about some football again lots of football to talk about tom are you good i'm a bit under the weather but i mustn't grumble it, I've, I've done a covid test and it's not that so um you know battle on because i'm take hard it. like that yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's cropping up again isn't it i had it uh, yes. recently right let's get back to football then uh another game unbeaten and another point on the board but could it have been more jordan should have been. Yeah, I mean, should have, may, maybe. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's a situation again where it feels it's a little bit unsatisfying to come away with one point there. Um, you know, we, we we did dominate at times. I thought at well we played, sorry, at times, apologies, we played well. We just weren't really able to capitalise enough. You know, we, we dominated the ball again, a little, little bit more like ourselves in that sense. Uh, a few changes made a little bit of a positive difference, but we we struggled really to kind of pull things together. And you know, it, it can be frustrating. We were able to obviously score two goals in the end, but I think the the way we, in which we conceded was was quite disappointing too. It did kind of take the wind out of us on a couple of occasions. So, you know, one we, I think looking back on um, going through this game again, that the head coach is going to be you know disappointed we didn't come away with a win there at home. But, you know, this is this is the kind of learning curve that we're on, it seems. Yeah, Tom, quite often the team that uh, gets the, the equaliser is the team that goes away the happiest. But it, it wasn't that kind of feeling after this one, was it? No, certainly not. We should have won. Um, second highest XG we've recorded in a game this season per FB ref. And only the third time this season we've recorded an XG of over two. So I think that tells you that we created some decent chances and had most of the ball, it felt like, most of the territory for long periods. Um, but just let ourselves down at the back, which has been a, a bit of a theme, really. Uh, there were a few people I've heard or read saying, oh, well, yeah, we should have been good. Millwall are in a bad run and a bad team. And that, whilst that is true, I think you only have to look to a week prior, Sheffield Wednesday at home were a far worse team in far worse form. They've obviously won since. And we only scraped a 1-0 win whilst playing pretty poorly ourselves. So... I think actually in the circumstances, I felt like this was a bit more of a step forward, albeit there's still there's still clearly stuff and plenty of it to work on. Mm. Before the game, we were pretty buoyed by the by the changes, weren't we? Ken Semmer and Yasser Esprit in. They felt like the, the right two to, to come in after positive midweek performances, Jordan. Yeah, I think they had to be in, didn't they? You know, they, they were game changers in that one and it, it felt like it was kind of nailed on. You know, dis- diff- difficult to drop someone like Martins, but... 
Yeah, I think I think justified on the balance of things. There was a bit of a question going into it. We've seen a lot of Espria off the bench and looking really positive, but he can be a little bit slow to start when he's in the starting eleven. And I think he he was better. Um, he was better this week, but yeah, two positive changes coming in. Obviously, actually, one thing I will say, we did. I wasn't sure at the time either. I guess we we just maybe got got confused, but we thought that who wasn't we playing this game, didn't we? We thought Portis was back in for suspension. Yeah, I was actually surprised by that. I, I was pretty confident that was the case. I guess I was incorrect. Mm. So apologies I think to we... everyone that was listening to me. Was it? Okay. That's like, yeah. That's, no, I that's think it's mistake. my fault. I heard it somewhere and put it in the notes and uh, we all kind of repeated the myth, but um, he, he played. So. He did. He did. So, um, and we were, we were saying that uh, we were disappointed not, that we wouldn't get the opportunity to see that centre-back partnership, but we did, we did get to see it again. So, um, you know, did it, uh, did it continue where it left off or, or did it suffer a little bit or, or how, how did you feel it, it went? I felt like they weren't massively troubled, the the two centre-halves, for long periods, albeit the goals we gave away were, were soft and I certainly think we're going to dig into one of those in, in quite a bit of detail. But mm. I, I, I thought they did fairly well again, to be honest with you. Um, I can't remember any glaring ricks. I wrote down the chances, but I can't really remember any kind of huge chances for them apart from the goals they scored. So uh, unless anyone can say otherwise, I think I think they were they were fairly good. Just on who his fifth booking or first booking, I suppose, was against Stevenage in the League Cup, which I think is is that treated separately. So he's only on four in the league. Right, okay. okay. Sense, yeah. In terms of chances, yeah, I mean, maybe from open play, you're right, but um, I feel very nervous every time the opposition, Millwall included, have some kind of set piece, be that a corner or a free kick, and we seem to give them a few of those. And, 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 and well, one of them we, uh, we, we did concede. So it's not, um, it's not a good area of, of, of the game that I'm enjoying at the minute every time the, the, the opposition gets that opportunity. Jordan, what do you, what, what's your opinion of that? Yeah, I think it's a problem. You know, we've been we've been talking about this for weeks. Um, there's the, there is a weakness at set pieces defensively, and you know, you, you, we we can talk about the goalkeeper um, as one aspect aspect of it, and also the kind of way we choose to defend these set pieces. It it does leave us a little bit vulnerable. I, we've looked. Um, or opposition have looked threatening at every set piece, and I think you know w- with set pieces the way they kind of work and the the time you have to to prepare for them physically and mentally in the moment they they can become a bit of a mental block. You know you can really dwell on it as a negative, and it, it can be hard to overcome. But I think we are we are struggling there right now, and you know I'd say it's cost us a, it's cost us a win. Yeah, and um, when we set up for these to defend these uh, these these set pieces, we we it's, it's no secret we are defending uh, zonally, uh, and it's coming for some criticism. Um, I suppose Watford are conceding goals. Whichever setup they would have is going to come in for some criticism, but it's not for the first time that we've had this criticism of zonal marking. And I wondered if we could perhaps take it back to the um, the very bare bones here and just explain the difference between zonal marking and man marking. Clue might be in the title, but let's delve a bit deeper <laughs> and, then, and then find out more about how Watford are implementing it and why we feel it might not be working. So over to you, Jordan. Yeah, in terms of differences, I mean, man marking is very straightforward. Obviously, everyone in the box gets a man. No one's left unmarked. And you, you have a very clear a clear idea of, of, of who to defend. And, and, you know, everyone knows who their job is and what their job is. It's, it's simple. Um, it, it's, you know, it is generally effective. But it, it does kind of make things a little more clear cut in terms of your role and responsibility. Now, in, in terms of zonal, zonal, you're essentially allocated to a different zone of the of the box to defend and that if the ball comes in there that's your area you're attacking it and you're dealing with it obviously the difficulty is um with that one you have to be much more switched on this can be messed up a little bit if you have substitutions that come on not quite knowing their assignments um, as well as other kind of aspects that can cause trouble for it you know there's also a slight blend generally what you'd see from a man marking perspective you'd you'd generally have the advantage number wise in the box so you'd have a mixture of man marking and then the 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 free man would be marking a, a zone whether it's the front post that kind of area we saw that a lot with someone like troy dean he used to do that role for us for a number of years but um yeah i mean essentially they're the two they're the two basic kind of explanations of what the the two setups are so what's the disadvantage of man marking john because clearly it's not favored not just by watford but by a lot of clubs actually but it, the way you outlaid it it seems like it has a lot of advantages going for it for them so there must be some 
major disadvantages that are, that are making managers choose to go for a zonal option. I say it's more to do with, with zonal. When when zonal is done well, it's very effective because you you can be proactive in your in your positioning. You're in the correct area to deal with it. You're not running towards your own goal. If you're man marking someone, you're kind of on you know towards the edge of the box around a penalty spot. The ball gets whipped in. You end up running towards your own goal to try and clear a header. You know it can cause problems in itself. So when you're set up zonally, in theory. It's good, you know. You're you're defending the dangerous areas. You you know what is your area. You can attack that. You can be in space. If the ball drops down, you've got players into generally good positions covering areas. It's effective. The, the the problem is, and the reason where it falls down quite often is it requires a lot of application from the players. Um, it, it requires more concentration. You know, if you're playing against a, a single man and the man marking setup, it's it's pretty sim- simple to kind of assess what your role is zones can be a little bit difficult and obviously we, you know you, you practice this in training you have an idea of what you're doing but these these areas can be or these lines between zones can be a little bit blended on the pitch and in the moment and you know, sometimes responsibility gets lost and um, there's room for error and i think that's the biggest issue with zonal marking it's not so much the the theory of it it's the execution and you you see it with top teams um you know we saw it in a lot in, in, in italy for a while when this became more popular we have these intelligent, committed, defensive teams that are able to execute effectively, but the risk reward is is definitely tilted towards the risk factor. If you have any sort of drop in concentration, and you know we see that quite a lot with with this Watford team, and you know you, you look back at the goals and the flat footedness as well is, is an issue. Uh, you have to be very prepared to to play that way. I just don't think we really have the discipline. Uh, as a team defensively in those situations right now and it, it kind of comes through quite a lot one thing too i'd say um I, I do think both setups but zonal as well do rely quite heavily on the goalkeeper to be proactive and we haven't got the most proactive goalkeeper from set pieces or at least not the most assertive and confident in those situations which which certainly doesn't help but um yeah you know it's something that we've tried multiple times over the years and I think right now we're in one of those moments where it looks quite poor. I'm thinking that the other time where it looked really bad was under Marco Silva, and and we had a few or quite a lot of the same issues. And yeah, it can be ugly. Mm. I suppose if one player makes a mistake or has an error, potentially the man that he's marking gets the ball and and scores. Whereas with zonal, there's the potential for more than one person to be marking another mm-hmm. player because. If only one person comes into that zone and you've got two players defending that zone, then you've got a two-on-one situation. So is that could, could that yeah, come into I, it? It does come into it. It's also a little bit more susceptible to um, manipulation tactically. If you're if you're looking to create a set piece to, you know, if, if you're if you're if you're if you're looking if you're a set piece coach, you're trying to you know decide how do we get how do we get the ball in the net basically. When you're in set pieces, say say corner, for example, you're looking to create blocks with runners. You're looking to find ways for your players to lose their defender and so on. Which, when you're man marking, you can kind of it's almost looking at like a basketball play. You know, you're looking for those collisions to occur and find space. So if you're marking zonally, if you're defending zonally, it's you're not as susceptible to losing your man because you're not stuck to a man, right? So. You, you should be in a better position. Again, in theory, you should be in a better position to defend your goal, but yeah, the man marking is not without its flaws. Obviously, it's, it's why we kind of see so much back and forth between the two, and the, the popularity will change. Um, but it's it, it, for me, it's really player dependent. It's really kind of culturally dependent in term in terms of is your team at a level of professionalism and or maybe that's a bit harsh, but a level of concentration that they're able to to maintain that throughout a game and effectively defend set pieces. Because you know it's all well and good doing it well once or twice, but you know, it's the crucial moment, especially towards the end of the games where you start to see it fall apart. And then, you know, you also throw in substitutes as well. And it, it becomes even more hazy if, if players aren't entirely sure of their role. Tom, do you have a preference? I mean, without being too reductive, and I said this beforehand, I'm fully man-marking. I don't think I've ever and obviously I've not played at any kind of level, being asked to play zonal marking. You don't see it at the lower ends of, of football, No, and it not just being <laughs> an absolute cluster f- basically. It's, I've, personally, do you know what? This, this is going to, again, this is going to, without the risk of sounding reductive, you know, I never played at any level, right? I haven't played for a long time. I'm old. My body won't allow it. But, <laughs> um, We're all there. 
32, aren't you, Tom? 31. Uh, 31. You can take I mean, in football terms, you're basically retired, though, aren't you? I am, yeah. It was, it was one of the things I actually found hardest, almost, as someone who played as a defender, to um, stick with a man at a set piece, right? I'm sure professional footballers find it a lot easier than that. But my point being... I can't imagine how much more complicated it then is to think almost on two levels of like, where's my zone begin end? you know, who's, mm. is, is someone in it? Am I passing that bloke on? It's that, you know, I just, I'm sure there's a reason so many teams do it and I'm not the football brain that's going to get to the bottom of it, but I find it. Yeah. I just, I, I'm surprised uh, it's so prevalent that I would, I would be a Tom Bodell coach team, heaven forbid, would play uh, with a man marking system. End of. I think you you kind of you kind of picked out one of the one of the issues there that you know you say one of the hardest things you found was tracking that man and staying tight to that man. You know, especially in a in a, a well drilled opponent that has ways to try and get you even further away from that man. I think that's the idea. You know, you have the zonal position, you just start attacking the ball in that space and. You know, you don't have to worry about passing a man on. There's runners going to be there, but your job is 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 somewhat defined as long as you stick to it. And I think that's the that's always going to be the issue. Can you can you stick to it? And are you are you clear enough yeah. on where and what you're meant to be doing? I imagine if I'm a defender, which I, I never was, I was a goalkeeper, so I was I was part of this problem, but I wasn't the problem. Um, I, I that's imagine what you say. I imagine if I was a defender, I would be happier in a zonal system because it means if there's a mistake, it's a lot easier to say, "Oh, it was his fault." <laughs> Whereas, well, I think as a man marking, if you've missed your man, I mean, it's clear who who's missed the man, right? Yeah, but I think also if you're a defender and you know you're in that position, you you're able to be a. You're not having to run towards your own goal, which is a big thing. You know, that's that's why in swinging deliveries are so dangerous because you don't have to be making that run towards your own goal and trying to deal with the ball um, and effectively clear it. So if you're in that zonal position, if that's from a corner, which is what we're also we're talking about, you can be more. <laughs> set in your position your starting position is more favorable for you as a defender generally right because you're not having to um you're not having to track that runner i i think it's favorable from dealing with the ball and making contact with the ball but you know what we do see is as, as an exploit of that is it's not you know there's no way to stop teams overloading specific areas of the box to try and create mismatches you know we've seen that a lot where You'll see an in-round loser on, you know, whoever, and it's it's there's a big mismatch, right? So, it's it's a it's one that's open for debate clearly, and it's it's not been it's not been settled for a lot of different teams. But for us, I, I think it's a little bit too too much for too much of an ask. Okay. Um, continuing on the same theme uh, and going towards the goalkeeper now, Dan Backman has been criticised for his role in Millwall's second goal. Um, he, it's alluded that he didn't come out and claim the ball when it was possibly advantageous for him to do so, but he, he chose not to in that instance. What's your thoughts, firstly, on um, on any mistakes he's made or has he not made? And um, and let's discuss this uh, this situation. I can start as the uh, official Dan Backman correspondent, if you want. Yes, um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> as a representative of Dan Backman. Yeah, that's it. I am on the payroll. People <laughs> very quick to blame him for the goal. Clearly, he's not covered himself in glory on it. I feel like he's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation here, right? Is that Does that end up being such a free header and so easy because he doesn't come off his line fully, fully commit to coming off his line and getting something on it? Or... And 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 therefore it ends up looking bad on him, or does he end up um, the fact that the defenders, you know, the, the outfield players, sorry, don't do their job, mean that the fact he doesn't come out makes him look bad. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, mm. as I feel like it's a combination of both, right? But damned if he does, where, damned where, if he where, doesn't. Right? Yeah, where's the starting point and the blame here? Is it the fact that the zonal marking is so bad? Or is it the fact that he doesn't come out? It's clearly a bit of both, but I just wondered, like you know, on that kind of sliding scale, how how do you apportion the the, the blame? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is with it, it clearly the actual the actual defending the zones collapse pretty early, um, and you know, this is where we talked about overloads and having mismatches and numerical mismatches too. 
you've got you know two of your well you got some of your better defenders kind of nowhere near the ball and that's 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 a problem obviously Imran loses track in the run um, up to a point which is kind of what he's meant to do I I, I think it, it that is an issue obviously but for me to you know Backman has got to see that as an opportunity to come and claim it as well I think and that's not necessarily claim but have an effect on the play um, you know it, it's he he looks sheepish in his goal and it, it doesn't fill you with confidence, but it doesn't really stop you from putting the ball in those areas because you want to challenge it. You want to test it. You know, it's it's a ball dropping in the six yard box. If you've got a, a ball coming into the six yard box, your keeper's got to be off his line some. You know that when contact's made, he's on his line. He's not he's not anywhere near coming for the ball. So it's uh, I, I think it's both for sure. Um, but the goalkeeper has got to to do more to try and influence that play. I'd say. Right. Okay. Cool. Just ahead of uh, back when then Jeremy Ngakia, uh, who was playing on the right side of the of the back four, he's been doing pretty well recently. Um, especially given that Ryan Andrews has not been able to be uh, chosen. Um, so you know, in that sense, he's not having to fight against somebody. So he's sort of like the the default name on the sheet. But he's still been keeping up uh, a, a reasonable standard. I would say. What what. Um, what, have you been impressed by by him at all, Jordan? Yeah, I think he's been better. Um, he's he's definitely offered a little bit more, um, closer towards what we saw from from him in that kind of first one or two games. Um, I, I think this game we did see us use the the fullbacks in more inverted again, which you know, strangely, I wouldn't have anticipated prior to the season that Ngakia playing as an inverted fullback would ever suit him, but. He honestly seems to play better than the more we use that, and uh, and that showed for me again on on Saturday. Tom, he uh, seemed to spend a, a pretty good chunk of the game drifting into quite an advanced midfield yeah. role. Yeah, that's it. as Jordan says, it was the the probably the closest in terms of performance from the fullbacks in terms of doing that. Particularly in Gakia, it really felt like he committed to it, and that was probably a bit of confirmation bias that I was watching on Hive Live and uh, John Marks and Tommy Mooney mentioned it quite regularly as well that he was playing in in a fairly advanced position. But I think that's the perfect sort of game to be doing it, right? I, I know you said, Jordan, you hadn't anticipated it, but given how much of the ball we had and how limited Millwall's threat was, you you want them pushing on, I think, don't you? And and kind of strangling the midfield a bit, creating further options there. And, and yeah, he certainly committed to that. He's, he's one of those players, I think, that you almost... You only notice him if he's really good or really bad. Uh, and it's hard to know if he has enough kind of six, seven out of tens in between as a result. He's always going to be divisive, but I'd still have Ryan Andrews back in um, now his suspension's over or when his yeah, suspension's so I'm, over. I, I meant surprised um, in terms of him playing that position as, as kind of a stronger role for him than a traditional fullback. Ah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. No, I think no, it's okay. Yeah, no, it was. It, no, you're right though. It was, it was. It's the right time to do it. You know, you're playing against a team that's sitting back deep, compact. You're trying to find space. You're trying to find ways through. I think it's really good to to try that. And I, you know, I respect the fact that we did. Uh, and, and you know, it almost worked. There, there's times we actually played the ball quite well, and you know, a lot of that came for the fullbacks. What I will say about Gakula, I thought his his delivery is so he's so poor again. Yeah, that's um, true. His that's crosses true. Yeah. sail over the crossbar too too often. Oh, there was one in the first half, wasn't there, where he just slashed it straight into the Vicarage yeah. Road end. You're just thinking, what the heck? And he wasn't even under, from memory, particularly a great amount of pressure. And you just think, oh my god. No, it is a problem with him. You know that is that is something that there is an issue we don't rely on a lot of those crosses from our fullbacks really but it is still something we have to be aware of because you know whilst we were more inverted with him generally we are trying to get those wingers on their on their stronger foot to cut inside and, and attack the goal from there and then you get the width from those fullbacks whether it's underlapping or overlapping but you are expecting them to be on the byline pulling that ball across and I, that is a concern a little bit from from Ngakia there um, so that, that's that's something we have to keep in mind too. Something we, something that I found about him is that um, he seems to be improving his willingness to take on a player, which previously was non-existent from him. But he he has, <laughs> you know, at least in the first half when he's closer to me, and I'm I'm definitely more focused on him at that point because I sit in the Elton John stand. Uh, I just I noticed that he will now try it a little bit more than. Than he did used to, which I'm pleased about. 
It always used to frustrate me. No, no, I think that's true. You know, that when we when we looked at Jeremy Ngaki when he first came, we, we looked at a guy that we thought, you know, one-on-one defender could be useful, but he really lacked a lot in the, the progression department, didn't carry it particularly, didn't pass it particularly well. So that was that was a factor. And I think, you know, playing in this new role gives him in like a little bit of a different position to to play the ball and find space. And I think I think so far it has suited him. I, I still think we need a better option there personally. You know, maybe that's Ryan Andrews who nice to see you know, more of him and, and see that consistent run in the team would, would be good. You know, I think it's next game he's back, isn't it? Um, whether or not he goes straight back in is probably unlikely. But, yeah. you know, I think it has been a, a season of slight improvement for Ngakia and part of it's situational because of the, the change of approach and, you know, maybe a role that suits him a little bit more and some coaching. But, um, you know, it, it, at moments he's looked like a, a useful player for us. And, you know, I, I've thought that his season, his career with, with Watford's been done for a couple of years now. Each summer, I think this must be the last one. And, you know, seemingly it continues. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pleased that he's he's offering something a little a little more than what we've seen in in recent years. I think that says more about Watford than uh, than Ngaki's ability itself, but uh... it might do. Yeah, it might well do. Yeah, that's the most wonderfully damning indictment ever. Seemingly, it continues <laughs> off his career. <laughs> yeah, he still seems to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely wasn't good enough for Premier League level. Whether he's good enough for Championship is debatable. But um, he's there and uh, he's doing the job at the minute. Uh, although we all are very excited about Ryan Andrews' return. Um, yeah. Talking about exciting and players, uh, Edo Kiyambe has um, been putting in some impressive performances and it's been highlighted by more than a few that these are the kind of performances we were expecting uh, him to uh, put in when he arrived before we decided that he played in a completely different position to that of which he's done for most of his career. So can we be <laughs> that surprised that he's playing better in the position that he more naturally prefers we shouldn't be i think um he's there's been a few kind of phases of kayembe haven't there last at the start of last season there was a little bit of kind of noise that yeah he's kind of found his groove and whatnot but he was still playing deeper and then he got injured and disappeared forever and we sort of forgot about him and that kind of continued into the start of this season because he did the old you know went in for a Went in for a stub toe and and stayed in there for a length of time that suggested he had his toe amputated. There's no suggestion he has, but you know, just being flippant. Um, but the last couple of games, that midfield has changed completely, and he's been one of the real beneficiaries, playing in a, a, a more advanced role, using that kind of physicality. He seems to be more decisive and sort of punchy and what have you than he ever is when he plays deeper. I don't know if he feels when he's playing deeper that he needs to, you know, make a killer pass every time he gets the ball to get us up the field and, and therefore takes longer to pick the pass or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but he's been much more, he's been a completely different player, to be quite honest. Um, he was second for attempted dribbles for play out of everybody uh, in the Millwall game. He had more shots than anyone on the field, um, which, you know, you would never have assumed of, Kayembe and all without kind of neglecting his defensive um, responsibilities either fourth for interceptions fourth for uh, successful defensive actions in total he's yeah just a bit of a an all-rounder it seems suddenly um, so yeah long may it, long may it continue and, and look I'd rather see the team picked on merit than than perceived kind of strengths and, and what have you so him, Livermore and Kone as well, who we can touch on. They're the ones in the possession of the shirts at the moment, and I think they should be, to be quite honest. Yeah, but we didn't expect them to be there, did we? But it's it's, it's come round that way, Jordan. Yeah, you know, I think I think with with Kambe too, you know, we we discussed earlier in the season as well, and I think for even you know, a couple of years now, it feels he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a number six. He's he he, he doesn't play. He doesn't play with that tempo and possession. Um, he's he's always played a little bit more advanced, and that's where he's strongest. He takes a little bit too long on the ball for me, um, especially in that deep position. We need to move the ball quickly and, and get things started. You know, oftentimes you see him take two or three touches and then clip the ball out, where you, you need it much quicker than that, and 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 that's hurt him in those deeper positions. He does he does possess the physical attributes to, you know, you'd look at him and think he could play in a in a more defensive role, but it's just not where he's most comfortable. And I think we saw. Uh, we saw the benefits of some of that physicality in more forward positions, but I think his understanding, his reading of the field, 
reading the pitch just looks much cleaner and smoother in those advanced areas and you know he looks much happier playing there so I think it's it's a bit of a no-brainer for me um, I don't think you want to see him deeper than than that really Tom, you touched upon Kone there. Do you want to expand a bit more on on what you think of him so far? Yeah, another one that's been kind of reborn, I think. He's had, I can't forgive me, I can't think who it was against. He came off the bench in a game earlier this season. I could just look it up, actually. He came off the bench earlier in a game this season and did really well. Got the start against Blackburn, wasn't it, because of um, loser being dropped, I think. Is that right? I'm sure it was those games. Or maybe it's a start against Birmingham. Anyway, he started a home game and stunk the place out and then was awful at Leeds. And, you know, we've not really seen him again until the last couple of weeks. But he's another one that's just injected a bit, I think, a bit of energy and a bit of drive and dynamism. You know, he looks like somebody who wants to get on the ball and and carry the ball forward for us, Um, which I think other midfield configurations, certainly ones that include Imran Loser for all his gifts, don't necessarily have. So uh, I've been um, I've been quietly impressed with him. I don't think he's made quite the splash maybe that Kaimbe has, but I think we're getting gradually to a point where we're seeing a bit more of, of, of what it is that he was brought in to do and, and why he was highly rated. The thing that doesn't help him, I suspect, is that I've just looked at his season so far. He has only started five games and they all come fairly apart spread out so yeah he started against Blackburn that Sunday game that was on the telly hooked at half time started against uh, West Brom and played 90 minutes started the next match against Leeds hooked at half time and then we didn't see him again for a month from the start at least until the Swansea game where he played nearly the entire game and I think to be honest with you him and I know we'll get onto this but uh, he was one of the ones that was probably a little bit harshly taken off against Millwall on the hour as well yeah, Jordan, any thoughts on Kone? Yeah, he just looks much more comfortable. You know, you want to see him playing in that that rangy way we talked about where he's picking the ball up, stretching his legs, beating a couple of players, you know, driving through midfield. Just a, a different option, a different a different way of progressing the ball and he, he looks much better there. You know, he, he plays a little bit passively in forward areas and he just kind of gets the ball out wide, but it's that transition from from the deeper position in midfield and driving you forwards. And I think that's really useful for us. Sometimes it's even just drifting across the pitch and just opening space up. Uh, he, he, he's a different option from, from really anything we have in, in, in terms of his build and the way that he the way that he carries the ball and kind of the incisiveness, incisiveness that, that can bring. So, yeah, I like it a lot. And these these are kind of the, the, the benefits of the positives that, that, that we saw with him when he was playing in the States too. So, it's yeah, it's good to see and I'm pleased that he's getting some some minutes now. There was a triple change on the hour mark, uh, and that's come into some debate as to whether that was good or bad. Uh, Espria, Kone and Bayo off for Martins, Luzer and Rajevic. Um, what did you make of that, Tom? This is a funny one, isn't it? Because I always, is, you know, being wise after the event, but at the time, I thought, actually agree with two of the three um subs there to be honest with you I thought I didn't think any of the guys coming off by the way had a bad game Espria Kone or Bio. I thought Bio does what he does which is work really hard press from the front you know nearly got his reward when he closed down um, Barsos Bielkowski um, just generally a bit of a nuisance but you know the although we put a lot of crosses in the box they weren't particularly good and you know service to him was, was somewhat lacking thought Aspria, who started well, kind of faded a little bit and we weren't as good after the break generally. He's getting a bit of lumps kicked out of him, was already on the yellow card. So I was like, yeah, I can kind of live with that. Kone, as I mentioned a moment ago, I thought was a little bit harsh on him. I thought he'd, he'd had a good game, as I say, but that was obviously the one that paid off or one of the ones that paid off in that it was loser that provided the assist for Ravic. But there's absolutely yeah. no doubt in my mind that from that moment onwards we lost our way um he's done it all season and i i wonder if there is a bit of a case and i'm sure someone with the time and inclination could go back and look at the games where he's which is probably most of them where he's made kind of three or four subs in one hit and and how we kind of perform from that point um ultimately two of the subs combined for the equalizer so i guess you have to take it but the fact that we fell behind in the first place in a game where we were the only side showing any ambition and, and threat suggests that it, it probably backfired on some level at least. Jordan, do you think these multi-sub changes are, are hurting us? 
you know, I think they've benefited us a lot this season, um, as it happens uh, so far. But I, I did think this one hurt us for sure. Um, it, it killed the momentum more than anything. I, I think it really just took a little bit of drive out of us. And you know, as you say, the, the two players that came on actually combined to to equalise. But we we just felt like we lost. It just kind of we felt like we were starting to kind of get a bit of a footing. And you know, I can see the rationale in thinking that some fresh legs is going to give us that extra boost. But it just took a little bit away, away some of that cohesion. Maybe three at once, just too much in that situation. Um, but you know, again, it's, I, I, to be fair, I did see a lot. I did see a lot of people criticizing the sub as it happened. Um, you know, in real time, and okay. you know, I think they were vindicated all, all three? because, or, or just yeah, one, and, one and not not so much the. I don't think the player for player thing was necessarily the issue. I think it was more just the timing of it felt at a moment where we were starting to get control and 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 maybe find a way and you know the the fact that three can make a big difference and you know I was talking about uh, I was at the time wanting subs and you know wanting losers to come on in particular but yeah it yeah it, you got, it did you got shot impact. down a bit there didn't you on twitter uh normally people are very much in support of your uh, your your ideas but uh on this occasion people weren't so fond of it well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we're at a point where we needed some quality and, and, and finding a way to get the ball into the box and, and some, you know, through some difficult areas and some incisiveness. And I think that's what Imran Luzer does bring. Um, I, I think he's important to, to do so for us. And, you know, I think maybe maybe I wasn't quite as big of a fan of, of KMB's performance. Not to say I thought it was bad, but I think a lot of people didn't want to see KMB being replaced by Imran. And that was just, you know, that's just my feeling at the time. And, you know, it, it was something which I think did help in the end. Obviously, we have obviously his quality was able to get us that that ball in the box, the winner of the equaliser. Sorry, but um, it, it's difficult to to take some of those players off. Um, and you know, it, this is one of the problems you have as a coach. You got to try and find ways to to make an impact in the game. And you know, clearly he thought that that three was the case. But you know, maybe he didn't quite feel we needed all of those at that point. But yeah, again, it's a tough one. I think perhaps the issue is uh, an Imran loser who has uh, desire and interest is clearly a lot better than uh, than a Kayembe. But um, when you remove those aspects from from loser, which has been levelled at him, I, I, I have no idea whatsoever if he is really interested or not. It, I, you know, that's a very much a personal thing. But it's bit, those accusations have been levelled at him, and um, he hasn't done anything for me yet to. Uh, refute those um so one could argue i didn't think it was very good when he came on yeah well no, that's that's very true he, he wasn't he wasn't particularly good he did put in the ball no. though, so i mean he, he did, did he did he did do uh his job in that instance but um that, i'd rather have yeah, a kiembe who you know is fighting for the team than a loser who isn't too bothered i don't know what's your thoughts there tom well, i i said this before so the risk of repeating myself what is it that makes people think that loser isn't interested isn't bothered that it's an attitude problem is it purely that we've learned that once at least he was um dropped for being late to a meeting and and therefore you know everything else must be a kind of kind of trickle off of of that i don't, I don't know he, yeah. i don't think he's had a good season don't get me wrong i don't think he's had a good season but i think if you took it back to the start of the season or took it to the other side of that um game we, nobody would have said oh he's not interested he doesn't want to be here and and the majority of people would have said he's one of the first names on the team sheet so at the moment he doesn't deserve to be in the team on form i've got no um i've got no dispute there i would stick with that three but i just yeah i just having a hard you know based on the small windows that we get into their um everything they do yeah it, it, i have a hard time thinking oh yeah he definitely doesn't want to be here I might be wrong, but you know, if there's people out there with kind of privileged information on his attitude and how he kind of handles himself and so on, then fair enough. I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong. But based on what I see of him, which is coming off the bench at the moment, there's nothing that makes me think, oh, he really desperately wants out. He's not trying a leg. No, I agree with you there, Tom. It, it really, we have no idea, to be honest. It's really only from what we see and then what we interpret. And it does feel as though he's kind of picked up that um, uh, Ishmael Assar mantle, hasn't he? Everyone well, was, yeah, exactly. was sort of, you know, saying that he wasn't interested. Someone and, has to be the kind of, the, the full guy, the one that... And it is, it's know, it's it's invariably the, the guy that costs the most money that isn't doing the job, isn't it? I mean, at the minute, it, exactly. at the minute the that's losing. That we've got the highest expectations for. No one will ever say that of, and, and and rightly so. It's probably a bad example to be honest. No one will ever say that Ken Asema's got the wrong attitude, or bad attitude. 
because he hasn't clearly, but um, he expectations are so much lower of him that he can only exceed them. Whereas loser, I think it's a lot easier for him to fail to hit the expectations. So yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I have a tough time with this one. I really do. Don't get me wrong though. It's still not a good look for him as one of the leadership group to be late as he was um, for a team meeting or whatever it was training. Mm. That was some um, time ago, but you're right. Yes, he did was, make yes. the, the error there. Um, I think one thing we can all agree on, though, and we've already, already mentioned it, is that he's out of form, certainly. Um, but, uh, I mean, he would even if he was here, he'd probably say, hey, I, I got an assist the other day. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I'm doing all right. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard, isn't it? But um, we'd, we'd all prefer him to be um, playing better. But there we go. Uh, That's it. It's because we know what he can do. Exactly, but- yeah. You know, he's got a range of passing um, and what have you that other players at this club and in this league don't necessarily have. And and how much of that seen... is on Ishmael to get the best out of him? Is it is it is it Ishmael's, you know, uh, fault that the the loser isn't, you know, in form at the minute? Well, or is it the I think yeah, it is. It's not necessarily his fault, but it's you know, it's on him to find the the you know the unlock the way, find the recipe to get the best out of him, whether that's the role he's deployed in, the position he's deployed in, the kind of combination with the other players. I mean, a friend of mine um, is is very adamant, absolutely adamant, that a big part of the problem is that he's not playing far far enough forward, not necessarily, you know, asking to play as a number 10, but free him up to play in that kind of one of those number eight roles, get into the kind of areas that Kayembe was getting into on Saturday. And actually, we did see that, and that was where he sort of got the assist from, wasn't it? That kind of... Um, you know, kind of deeper, uh, sort of outside the penalty area, but far more advanced than I think we've seen him at times as well. So, yeah, I think I think there's an onus on on uh, on Ishmael to do that because you know he is one of the more talented players. He's he's one of the leaders in the group for a reason. So sometimes got... you have talented players that only look good when they're surrounded by other talented players because they're not the type of player that does the hard work. They're the kind of the player that you can. Um add to the mix to to you know create the spice but they're they're not the main part of the dish <laughs> i don't know why i'm going for some kind of cookery terminology i hate now. to think what dish watford fc oh i don't know <laughs> i reckon some sort of no, stew uh, and <laughs> yeah pretty bland stew, yeah perhaps. pretty bland stew but um the potential to to, to, to be elevated by yeah. a, a sprinkle of moroccan yeah food, that's it yeah um yeah, and I think I know what you're saying. I, I think with Imran loser, I, I don't know what. I mean, it, it's tough because we're trying to assess players' personalities and motivations without really much information. And yeah, you know, I, I think he's a player that can be effective for us. I think he has to be enjoying his football, and that's fair. And obviously, he's not going to be enjoying it from the bench necessarily. Um, but could he benefit from being in more advanced positions at times? Certainly, but that's where he also has had opportunity to to play as well. So. You know, it's hard for it's a hard one for us to assess. But the fact is that he came on off the bench. He wasn't great, but he did pop up the assist. He did contribute positively. That might make a difference to him mentally as well. And we might find him in a position where he he is able to contribute a little bit more and and play at a, a kind of higher level. And you know, our standards, our expectations for Imran Luz are high and set purely because we've seen what he can do. You know, he has performed for us at times. So I don't necessarily buy into the fact that he's got some sort of massive attitude problem that's really holding him back from football. You know, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, but I think a lot of it's guessing work and, you know, maybe it's just kind of based off his demeanour and the way that he can carry himself at times. But I, I think if you're if you're the coach, you're you're thinking how hey, you can get the most out of the team right now. And look, from that perspective, he, he put in Kembo, who played pretty well, and he, he brought him around in and he contributed. So I think it's all it's all good for him right now, really. One more point on Valerian subs, and that is that some people have suggested that he plans them in advance. Firstly, is that something that you think is the case? Uh, and secondly, is that a good idea or, or not a good idea? Tom? Personally, I don't buy that one. I don't think any manager... At, it's, it's often thrown around, isn't it? And kind of post-match phone-ins and whatnot. But I, I mean, managers certainly I do it. Think. I mean, I was, I was listening to a great podcast that I've, I've already mentioned uh, uh, about Watford's rise through the uh, through the 80s. And uh, Graham Taylor was saying he had planned his team in advance for the FA Cup final and he had planned his substitutes as well. Um, and this is a week before the game, so it does happen clearly. But you're um, not committed, though. You're not committed to 
you, you know, you can make that plan, you can have an idea in your head, but you yeah. always maintain that flexibility to to adjust. And I think, you know, nothing's, you know, it's him who's maybe had that thought. I don't, I mean, I think when you look at that bench, you could, we could all guess. I mean, I think most of us could sit there and tell you what players are going to come on. Yeah, you're always um, going to have an idea, right? As a manager, that's how, you, you know, if you've got the luxury of having enough players, that's how you plot your bench. You think, all right, the left back's carrying a niggle. We might only get 60 minutes out of him, so I'm definitely going to need a left back on the bench. The game might open up in this way, so I'm going to want that number 10. Or it might not open up okay. in this way, so I'm not going to want that number 10. Or, you know, whatever it is, you, you can't... Of course, you think about it to some degree, but I don't think that any manager in their right mind goes out and says... It goes into a game and says, I'm going to make these three subs at this time come hell or high water. I just I just don't believe that for one second, unless they're really, really, really bad out there depth manager like me. And for those of you playing Watford Buzz Bingo, that was uh, the hell or high water from Tom in this episode. <laughs> oh, did I say hell or high water? <laughs> <laughs> really had an effect on you, didn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> it it's, yeah. it's become your favourite phrase now, Tom. Mm. That or if I was a manager. <laughs> which I already feel like I've said two or three times today. Mm. Actually, one thing I did want to mention yeah, okay. real quick, guys, just before I forget, um, just while we're in the kind of the topic of conversation around um, how we're kind of using these players, but I, I got a message actually a couple of weeks ago now. It might have been close to, yeah, almost just over a week ago um, from Ollie, who asked in questions quite recently. And I was going to answer him on the podcast, but just kind of ran out of time. Um, but the part that's still relevant about um, about Aspria, so we haven't touched on Aspria yet. Obviously, kind of getting that start. Um, he says, "I'm a big fan of the quality, the through balls he plays with top quality, even little things like dropping the shoulder to create space and want the ball." Um, should we should we be build, should we be building a team around him, or uh, how do we get the best out of him when starting? Did we get the best out of him when he started in this game? I don't know that we did, despite his goal, which you know, kind of fortunate. I don't know how much you can attribute to him. Look, I don't think he played badly, but I kind of... What's I don't the know difference between him starting and coming off the bench? Do you know what I think it is when he comes off the bench? that The game is kind of set into a pattern by that point and players are tiring and whatnot. And he comes in and does something so kind of different to the what's been happening up to that point. He, I always think with him that his ability to kind of ping in and out of it, you know, he'll take the ball into a tight space and then he'll shoot out of it mm-hmm. and really kind of upset um, the balance of things and, and and kind of create space and whatnot and where there wasn't. And I just think that probably benefit, that probably happens or benefits a game that's more kind of established in its routine and, and closed up. I still want to see him play because I think he's a really talented player and, you know, he's got some kind of X factor and ability to do things that a lot of players in the team just haven't got. So I want to see him start games, but I do. There is a little bit of me that still thinks. I wonder if he's better as you know as an impact sub still at this stage. Watford are suffering a little bit from um, players that coming on and having a really good impact are not able to translate that into starting for some reason. What do we have to do to get Aspria in that in that regard? Then Matt, what do we have to do to get Aspria in um, in the team from the beginning in a way that can can be consistent or or maybe kind of just allow him to get closer to that off the bench sort of form. I know you kind of wrapped it up there, Tom. I think that's kind of accurate in terms of what suits him um, from the big, from coming off the bench. But what what is it that you think that that is hampering him or not allowing him to to find ways of being as effective from the start? Is there something we can do to find that? I think what we need is Darren Brown to come in to uh, convince him that we've already played half a football. Uh, and and that we're also two 0 down, and that everything relies on him. And uh, I think he'll go. Around. I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly, uh, it is, it is, it is perplexing. I don't know why he's having the the impact he does when he comes on, but not he's not able to. I don't know how you translate that into into starting. Do you find a way to play him in a different position? I mean, I think he's most effective from the right in those later stages. You know, when you, you start to get the teams that are sitting back and he's got that. You know, I think Ollie mentioned in uh, a different part of that message that he, his starting position is often quite deep. You know, he, he'll start just in front of the halfway line at times mm-hmm. and you'll see him make that little tuck inside and slip that ball in towards the edge of the box. And that, that's kind of where he likes to operate. Uh, you touched on there, Tom, as well. You know, that little burst that he has, the player kind of comes towards him. He's happy to take that burst into space and drift in field and you know open things up a little. He's 
he's useful against teams that are sat back and trying to be con- compact, and especially so when they're tired. Um, but it, it, you if ne- you're looking at, gone. You never see or very rarely see him run into space behind the line <clears throat> onto a ball that's been slipped through or anything like that. He's always my, you know, you, you kind of picture players in your head sometimes, don't you? With your eyes shut, or whatever. Certainly, I do. Might be letting daylight in upon weird magic here, but I think like where's a typical position for him in my mind is picking the ball up basically on the touchline near halfway on that right hand side and then coming in from there, and in doing so creating space for the the fullback to overlap him or wingback to overlap him, or whatever. I don't, I don't. He's not a. I don't know how you'd categorize him to be honest. Like in. As a, in he's a, a wide midfielder, sense. isn't he? That's it. He's not a winger, is he? Like you wouldn't call him a winger. He's not getting to the byline and slinging crosses in. He doesn't um, beat a man on the outside very rarely no. from that right position, you know. But I think the the question would be then in that in that in that, that circumstance, obviously he's a player that wants to have the field in front of him, wants to be opened up. You know, he likes a deeper starting position. He likes to get forward still, but he wants to find a pass, and he's not he's not got he's not a head down, knock the ball and run sort of winger. He wants to. Bring the, he wants to open the field up and, and look inside. And I think, you know, you may be even considering him at number eight. You know, you maybe lose some physicality and some defensive attributes there. But what what's his starting position there going to be like? Is it like he's do something different on the right? You know, maybe Ken Semmer comes in. Martins is able to play still, but you've also got that ability to get Aspria in that position. It's a little bit more offensively minded. I think part of the problem for Aspria is that the way he plays, he requires quite a distinct player ahead of him to be able to make the runs that that he needs and I don't think we have that player in the team so I think that's Mm. probably one of the things that's hampering him what I what I do think though is that Healy could be that player um and we saw a little bit of him towards the end of uh Saturday didn't we did you did you see enough to 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 give you any insight I mean, we didn't get to see enough in some ways. You know, obviously, goal-saving contribution. Yeah, um, that was tremendous, wasn't that, it? That, you know, off the clearance off the line, which was which is really important at the time. Look, I think he's... I, I still think he's a player that can contribute to this team, and I, I really want to see him get opportunities. You know, personally, I, I thought... I think a lot of us wanted to see him come on before Ravich has, has done in recent weeks, and obviously, Ravich came up with the goal, but... I think Healy offers something and it, it was good to see him get minutes, even if it was in less than, than ideal circumstances. How do you get the best out? Well, I suppose you you play him first of all, but what could the team do to play towards Healy as, as the front guy if they went that way? What would they have to do? I think you just got to be, I mean, look, Healy's a bit more of a, he's going to get his head down a bit, get shots away. You know, he strikes the ball nicely. He's, he's, he's a, he's a gunman, you know, he wants to be in the box and getting shots off. And that's, you know, something we've maybe got a little bit too much of in, in varying forms, but he, he plays at a high tempo, he plays with energy. Um, he's happy to come deep and pick up the ball and try and carry things forward a little bit too. Um, he's got an intensity to his game. I don't think you have to do a great deal to factor him in. I think we've got a, a little bit more of a bigger problem in, in regards to getting our striker involved in general, because of how kind of wing-oriented we are. Uh, you know, we've seen with with all the strikers we've used so far this season, there's quite a lot of times they end up being a little bit isolated or underused in the build-up, and that's that's maybe something we've got to try and find a way to to evolve and, and improve on. But I don't think Healy makes any of those things worse. You know, I think he's someone that could that could offer something. So I think there's something probably a little bit more going on there to, to kind of understand why he's not playing. Mm. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but you'd think that he would be an option that would have been utilised a little bit more considering some of the issues we've had. Yeah. With regards to Radjevic, Tom, uh, it's very obvious how we get the best out of him. We put balls in the box uh, at a high, a high ball and he will invariably get a header on target. And um, we saw that uh, in, um, on Saturday. He scored the goal. Um, he didn't yeah. do a lot else, as often gets picked up by, <laughs> by several places. But at the end of the day, if he's scoring goals, that's that's what we need him to do. Why don't we put more balls in like that for him, knowing that we have that that option? I wish I knew. A um, little bit of advice, Valerian Ishmael, just go on to the settings in possession and select for the crosses, float crosses, and put more crosses in. That's what I do on Football Manager in 2024, and it seems to work a treat with a big centre forward. Um, no, in all seriousness, we put they flashed up the stats at half-time on, on Saturday, and we put 16 crosses in in the first half. 
Um, yeah, with Rajovic not on of, the pitch. <laughs> yes, one of those connected. So that might be part of the problem. The quality of crossing, as we mentioned, with Ngaki is not brilliant. But yes, as you say, Rajovic not on the pitch. Uh, by full time, we'd put in 23 crosses. Now, he did score from a header, so from a cross. So it's kind of hard to, you know, completely um, admonish what we did. But... Um, seven crosses in the second half and he was on for half an hour. So I t- without watching it back, was that the only cross that we put in the box for him? I don't know, but it probably wasn't many more than that if there were. So yeah, it, I, I just don't understand it. I think part of the problem perhaps is this kind of um, reliance on playing the wingers on the wrong side. So they cut inside. And as I said before, I like that to a point, but I think they also need to just be given the license to switch over at times as well and try something a bit different. We've seen a slightly different approach in the last couple of games, haven't we, with Ken on the left, and um, that's given us the, the, the option to go down that left-hand side and get crosses in. And we know that Ken Sem not necessarily floated crosses, but we know Ken Semmer does that, the old Ken smash, get down the left and cut it back just as you're about to run out of play, run out of the pitch. But... Yeah, I just that's one area where I would like to see a little bit more variety um, because I, I think it's going to be hard to ask much more of, of Ryovic without playing to his strengths. Mm. Jordan, it's not the sort of football that everyone loves to see, but if it produces results, then it should be certainly a way that we consider of, of playing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's easier said than done in a way too, you know. Getting balls into the box is, is fine, but against a Millwall team like that, I'm not sure it's even Rajovic is going to be overly dominant continually in that position. You know, he did really well for the goal, but he's also up against some good defenders there. And I, I don't like. I mean, I think it's it's an option to use when he's on the pitch. I would be hesitant to to kind of lean into it too heavily and you know maybe underuse some of the other areas. You've got some dominance in possession. We want to control the ball. Are you wanting to turn the ball over that much? It's, it's it's difficult. I think we need to see a little bit more of it, perhaps, when we've got him on the pitch. You know, maybe you know Tom mentioned there about the inverted wingers. Maybe you kind of look at, at adjusting the way you're utilizing those wingers if he is playing, because it, what what clearly he's not comfortable with is the ball at his feet at the moment in terms of carrying the ball in, in interplay. It's a little bit um, a little bit rough at the moment. So yeah, maybe trying to find a way to to, to find him, but. He he's a player that's learning, and I think you know we kind of we go back to Espria and we talk about KMB and all these players. And I think what's really clear is you've got a a group of players that don't always necessarily fit perfectly with a coaching style, which also doesn't always fit perfectly. So we're trying to find compromises all the time, and I, I think balance and consistency is something we've we've been lacking a little bit, and that that kind of comes into it when it comes to a player like Rajovic, who's you know, not traditionally what we'd be using in this this sort of team. Okay, cool. Um, Huddersfield up next then, uh, a team not in a particularly good moment. Um, looks like could be another chance for Watford to get back to winning ways again. Yeah, it's another important one, isn't it? They've they've been walloped a couple of times recently. Um, not really happened for Darren Moore since he went in there. And to be honest with you, I think they were probably punching a little bit above their weight when, when Neil Warnock was in there. Um, he's, you know, obviously left now and they've conceded four goals three times in the last five games. They've only won one of seven since Darren Moore went in. And and to be honest with you, you know, you've got it given the f- results that are to come, as I've said before, and the ris- risk of sound like a broken record. These are the games we've got to be winning. Um, they are fourth bottom for points at home and they've conceded the second most home goals this season. One thing to point out, and if I'd done more research, I'll give you a little bit more detail here, is that their top scorer this season is centre-back Michael Hellick with four goals. And the reason I point that out is because obviously our set-piece woes. Now, I haven't checked how those goals came about, but I'm assuming for a centre-back, they're probably from set-pieces. So it's just something to be aware of, I think. Buckle in. <laughs> exactly. Okay, then thanks for that, Tom. Uh, we will be on the lookout for centre-backs in uh, set pieces, something that we probably should always be generally looking out for because yeah. we don't do too well at set pieces, do we? Hopefully, Vlad no. is, is working on that. But uh, yeah, Huddersfield coming up should be a a good opportunity for us, especially as we've got some harder games coming after the international break. Um 
which is coming up after the not the Huddersfield game. It's the one after that, isn't it? Wasn't that the uh, Rotherham next? After Rotherham, yeah, yeah that's the next yeah, home fixture. And then isn't we've it? got a break uh, to prepare to go to Leicester, which uh, yeah, yes, could be a toughie. Indeed, or okay. will be a toughie. There's no could be a bet. <laughs> They're doing well at the minute, aren't they? They are. Right, okay. Well, thanks very much for listening to us uh, at the Watford Buzz. Um, just the usual uh, things to say. And um, I'm having a little look here at uh, reviews that we've had lately. And we haven't had any. It's very sad. Um, if you, you know, if, if, if you have something to say about how the uh, the, the the pod is, um, hopefully positive stuff, please do tell us. Um, just go along to uh, to Apple Podcasts, give us a review. Uh, you don't have to say much, just a couple of words would be lovely and a, a star rating out of five. Uh, and then we'll read those out on the show. Um, that'll be your your reward. We get to say your name. Um, but we haven't had anything since March, which is very sad. And also, if you would like to follow us um, on Twitter, you can do so at WatfordPod. Uh, and then we have our own separate handles as well at TB Bedell, at Messi Messiano and at uh jordan why great well uh we've been uh we've been the lot for buzz uh and we'll see you after the huddersfield game for hopefully a talk about a victory fingers crossed see you later bye-bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 